0: and explores the mysteries of God in our modern world.
1: Well, before I go into a big dissertation on the Gospel of Mark, there's something that just hit the press today, a whole new understanding of the scripture. It's by Fraz. Oh, I see some of you are less well-educated. It's on the front page of the comic section of the Oregonian. There is a custodian in a school and a little kid in the school, and they have great theological discussions. The little kid says, here's what they say, whatever you are, be a good one. But he says, but that seems so limiting, like you can't be bad at anything, which seems like how are you ever going to find out what better things you can be? Here's what I say, the child says, whatever you want to be, dare to be a bad one. (laughs) The custodian says, good one. And the kid says, whatever. (laughs) And now to go in the boring part of my sermon. Mark's gospel, as you may know, you probably know, is the first gospel that was written and included in our Bible. For that reason, it may be a more accurate version of the actions, words, and movements of the spirit in those post-Christian days and years, or Christ days. Or, as we also may have realized, Mark's remembrances are colored, as are all of our remembrances, by the angle at which we observed or experienced something. Remember playing telephone? the coloration that comes from our own previous understandings, cultural biases, and belief systems. And so some of the words of Jesus, as recorded by Mark, may not hit us the way it did those hearing those sayings in those distant days. One of the sentences that caught my attention, those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their lives for my sake, will save it seemed harsh to me a bit too sacrificial sounding for my comfort level but then I didn't realize that what it really means that in denying self or some of us might say ego one is led to self-fulfillment Paul understood this when he wrote I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. This sense of knowing we are each one of us and everyone out there, created in God's being, Christ's own with the spirit of life and loving us in us, just as it wove its way through the mystics, the great saints of the foundation of our faith, should be reassuring. But then it's important to remember that not all were saints. They were, and they are, and they will always be, those who come from everyday lives. Fishermen, scholars, tax collectors, artists, writers, parents, and children, individuals, a monk or a sister or a Sunday school teacher, or even one who lived a very notorious and sinful life. These are those who have felt a tug, a call, a knowing, that led them in ways that are creative and fulfilling. Anyone really who follows their heart, like our recent speaker that some of you may have heard, Joe Bronson, who in her retired years as a teacher, teaching has gone now to teach conversational English to Palestinian youth in Ramallah. About as far from her previous life as could be imagined. She saw them, she heard the message, and she thought, oh, maybe I can do that. It's just feeling something and then following up by doing, by being that something. And it doesn't have to be earth-shaking or even noticed by others, but it is what makes a person feel whole and content. Living as intended in that birth-born place that we were meant to be. Now I imagine if each of us looks back on our life, we can see moments when we sensed or even longed for something for us to do. We either went on that path or on another path. We all have had in our lives a place or many places where we had a choice to take a road or take another road as Frost so beautifully wrote, The road's taken and the road's not taken. My own life has been one of those mazes that takes you here and there to and fro and stop by roadblocks until by some miracle i end up where i meant to be, Mm, or sometimes not the place I was meant to be. Some of you may have started one place and went on a straight line Right up till now. At times I have envied people who could do that. But not one of us has had the same maze to wander in. But in the end, willingly or not, we will all end up at the place we are meant to be in Christ, with Christ, and whole in all ways. I hate to admit this, but I am really allergic to people who live in self-sacrificing ways. So we should all notice, as if being a true believer is believing that one should suffer, be a martyr to Christ. Jesus was a martyr, as were others, but not because it was his or their focus to sacrifice themselves but because it was Jesus' and others' focus to reinterpret the Holy Scripture, the Torah of his Jewish faith, to bring to the people the true understanding of God's words and God's ways, to be the living word himself. Because he was seen as counterculture, as one who wanted to be king of the Jews, as one who would turn upside down the political and religious hierarchy of his time, he was condemned to death. He was who he said he was, and to that sense of self he remained true. We see it today, unfortunately, as political and religious opposition leaders are murdered to try to kill the spirit, to lay a blanket of fear over the followers, to silence what causes fear in the one who is in power. When the attempt to protect the self drives against those who are self-contained, Those who know who they are, and they will stand firm no matter the consequences. That's when we see visibly how denying the self leads us to be self in the truest sense. I wasn't always a priest. Of course, that wasn't always an option. But how I got here is one person's example of how the scripture lives true in each one of us. Those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. As I said, not exactly compelling words to encourage and welcome people into the Church of Christ. I'm sure it would draw a lot in if it were out on our sign. (laughs) Denying oneself is hardly enticing in this overly-driven consumer world where ads and certain famous lifestyles encourage us to buy and be far from the words of Christ. And so I think preachers, and perhaps most of us, skirt these admonitions of dying, of denying to the old way and taking on the new. However, in so much of Scripture, the words written at the time of Mark, the other apostles and early followers of Christ, mean more than one might think on first reading. And so a bit of a testimonial, I promise you, not an altar call, God forbid, for after all we are Episcopalians, (laughs) but a personal story to illustrate how I have interpreted the words of Mark in my life. Some of you know parts of my life and all of you don't know most of it, which you are not going to hear today for which you can be grateful. Many decades ago, I was a happy and successful educator given a sabbatical. When I came back to teach, I felt and kept saying that there was something else I was meant to do, but I didn't know what it was. Then the school district rifted the senior teachers. That's education talk for Let Us Go. I was upset. It was wrong. They kept the most recent, hence cheaper, teachers and let those with experience go. Since I roamed around the school for my week and work and I knew all of the teachers, I knew some of those being kept were at best lazy and not prepared for the jobs (laughs) they had. However, there I was, suddenly on unemployment with a small severance package. A friend had recently left a law firm, so together we read the book, what color is your parachute? Anyone read that? Okay. A great resource for those trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. I decided having lived in Europe, I spoke Italian fluently, that I would look for international jobs. Ones that would make me rich and happy. (laughs) Obviously it didn't work out very well. (laughs) As I got ideas I went to places that would have put me in radio, television, international hotels, import positions, among others. And here is a clue for any of you if, as I did, go to places asking about the work they do to gather information, not asking for a job. At least I got offered a job at every place I went. (laughs) But they weren't the right jobs. And I often saw the people as in a hotel. As I was going towards the door I was supposed to go in, I saw the ones who were never seen, who were underpaid, as they took a break. Finally, in desperation, as I have always worked, since my father took me at age 15 to get my work permit, I've always worked and I have a strong Protestant work ethic, I decided to put my apartment on Beacon Hill in Boston, up for sublease. The only thing I knew is that I should study Spanish. I walked from one side of Beacon Hill to the other side to Mass General Hospital, gave the information for a sublease, and started walking down the corridor. When suddenly, all the people coming at me froze into place, and a bright light hit, and I heard, or perhaps knew, that the experiences of my life were to come together as an ordained chaplain. And then, as suddenly, everyone moved again. The light went, and I stood there in awe, confusion. That night, I slept soundly. I hadn't been because I didn't know what I was doing. And then I said, not me, and back and forth it went, until finally I called my friend Al, the rector of our church. He and his wife lived up the hill from me, and we used to have breakfast. I called and asked if he wanted to have breakfast. So mid-breakfast, I finally said I wanted to go to seminary. Al's response is, well, thank God it's the first sensible thing I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) And so began the journey, one I never would have taken if I'd known what was lying ahead of me, and yet one that has been the best of the best of the best of my life. In truth, I left the full life. A wonderful rent-controlled apartment and went across the Charles River to a dorm at my seminary I was poor but I was happy I had a dear friend who had a clothing store one of my best friends like sister she said you may be poor but you'll never be poorly dressed so there I was with no money and great clothes <laughs> as my ministry took form someone always saw that I could pay my rent, have a bit left over for food and gas, as I created or was called to be places far, far from my norm in the past. I left my old life and put on the stole of my new life, and it turned out to be every bit as rich in people and adventures as the first had been, a sort of continuum in a new format. So yes, I died to the old and saved myself in the process. It became a bit too literal at times during the wars in Central America, where I learned about and experienced the joy that Salvadorans, for example, could live in the midst of death squads, but now I'm going astray. Everyone is not meant to drop everything and follow a new path. And all paths are not meant to be extreme. I think that I must have been a very hard one to get the message, so it took a dramatic event for me to catch the call that I learned later was what I'd had. But it was and is for me, for those who are not doing what they're meant to do, be it humble or of great note, a reminder to listen to that small voice within and be happy, be content, and simply be all that you are meant to be. If, in fact, we all have one life, we might as well live that life in the fullness of our potential, be it within our family or in a broader sense. Don't wait for the dramatic. Just listen to your own heart and be at peace. Be at peace and radiate Christ's love to those you love and those less loved, knowing no matter the person or situation, Love can overflow and overcome anything and anyone in the end. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast offering from All Saints Episcopal Church in Portland. For more resources from All Saints or to support this or our many other outreach ministries, please visit allsaintspdx.org.